episode of the Pats Podcast, where we focus on the tremendous efforts of athletic trainers across the state of Pennsylvania, while also continuing to advocate for the profession across the country. My name is Jason Kopeck, clinical athletic trainer and faculty member at Westchester University, and proud to be your host for today's episode. And I'm delighted to be joined by Lucas Bianca, who is also making his Pats debut. Uh, Lucas, how are you doing today? Yeah, I'm doing well, Jason. I appreciate you having me on. Yeah, thanks for joining us. I know we, you know, we talked about this a couple months ago while we were making the transition here. So uh, I certainly appreciate your patience, but also for taking the time out today to speak with us. Yeah, and thank you for the work that you're putting in behind the scenes to make this happen. I really appreciate that. Yeah, no problem. Thank you, Lucas. Tell us a little bit about yourself and you know how you got into athletic training and where you're from. Yeah, right now I'm uh, at Alvernia University. I, I work at the Division Three program athletic program uh through st luke's and uh, i'm in Reading, pennsylvania mm-hmm. before that i was in lynchburg virginia and uh that was at a college part-time but most of my time was spent in the industrial setting at a, at a paper mill actually so that mm-hmm. was fun and different mm-hmm. before that i was in uh longwood university which is a division one program I worked with basketball there and i was traditional college athletics and then I was a head athletic trainer, director of athletic training services down in Georgia, uh, Georgia Southwestern. They, mm-hmm. they just ended up being, I think, second place in golf championships a few years ago. So oh, okay. for the hurricanes for that. Yeah. And then uh, UNLV, I did some time out uh, in Las Vegas, right? So I yeah. think everybody should spend some time out there. So yeah. <laughs> I was out there uh, as an athletic trainer and uh, graduate assistant with the football, softball, and tennis and all that fun stuff. And then I did my undergrad at Lynchburg uh, College, and then I also, like I said, my master's degree, and then my doctoral program was at University of Idaho. So I've been around a little bit, and I am really excited to be here in Pennsylvania uh, and and really excited to be part of PATS and see what PATS is doing. Yeah. Lucas, um, I, I got a lot of things to touch on. So let me let me start with the uh, the different colleges that you were at. So, you, you know, you had mentioned you were at, you know, a, a lot of different settings in terms of Division One, Division Two, II, Division Three. What were some of the similarities and differences that you saw across the board with the university settings? Yeah, I hope I put a good answer out here, especially for all the young yeah. athletic trainers or, or in, uh, incoming, right? All the people that just posted all their BOC stuff and everything. Right. Because <laughs> yeah, that's what you get asked, right? Yeah. Like, so you're at a division one program and they're asking you like, how are you going to treat somebody all year long? And how are you going to find things to do with people in off season? And then division two, they're going to say things that are similar, but a little bit less and maybe challenge you a little bit more on how to keep people in school and help them uh, stay academically eligible, some of that stuff. And then you're going to get into division three and they're going to say like, you know, are you going to be able to balance four different sports, three Mm -hmm. different sports uh, throughout the year and, and how you communicate to coaches that you're working with? Cause you're not going to be with every, every coach's meeting and all that fun stuff. So I think some of those are the, the big differences I've noticed. I think the mental health wave, right. The mm-hmm. way that mental health, mental wellness is, has kind of happened through the, the different divisions has been really interesting to watch. Cause I was kind of in that. Right. So yeah. I remember when it started a little bit more in the division three model and just kind of being like, this is what we do. This is, um, uh, the Division Three experience, I think, is what they started with. Discover Division Three, and then it was D two, right? I choose you, I choose D two, and then that kind of became their mantra, and they tied into uh, as an athlete, I, I pick this one, right, versus going to D one or going down mm-hmm. or going to D three, which it's not a hierarchy, right? I, yeah. I mean, it's down. And then uh, Division One, like when I was at University of Nevada, Las Vegas, or even Longwood, we we developed a whole uh, student en- enhancement group 
which was tied into kind of the APR ratings that people were getting at the time and, and the importance of maintaining people in school by showing you care, you know, as about them as a person. But the whole model for Division One is focused on the fan. So it's hard yeah. to then bring that back to, you know, we care about student athletes. And that's what we've seen happen through Pac-12 and all that fun stuff. But in my own experience, uh, I would say just that that wave of how things move from one division to another division, and and sometimes they go division three to the division one, and sometimes they go the other way, and, and vice versa. And I think yeah. uh, it's just that's what's been really cool since I've been in, in different yeah. divisions and see that. How did your previous experiences at those universities help prepare you for success at Alvernia? Yeah, I, I think. Right, a little bit of everything yeah. from each one. Definitely the football experience I was able to learn from. I would say one of the great athletic trainers, Kyle Wilson, is was out at University of Nevada, Las Vegas, and and just right, you know, having those little uh, back pocket laminated mm-hmm. um, folders or, or little cheat sheets about who you're going to be working with and all the different medical emergencies you got to be ready for and all that fun stuff, right? Like Ron yeah. Corson type stuff. So as long as you're always around a mentor or somebody like that who can give you that type of stuff. I think that really helped me. Yeah. And then uh, in the division two setting where I was Georgia Southwestern, it was me and a, and a graduate assistant for 10 different sports. So it was much more of a, you know, just all hands on deck. I was also starting the strength and conditioning specialist program, uh, their strength and conditioning program as it was 2012, 14, whatever, when that had just become like NCAA wanted you to have, uh, more sure. oversight. So you had to, to develop those programs for coaches. You weren't allowed to just throw weights at coaches anymore. So I think some of that stuff really helped with that, you know, being all in, being attentive, being uh, someone who was focused on stewardship for a program. I think mm-hmm. that was really helpful for me. And then getting into the other division three models that I've been at, right. Yeah. Learning how to treat a student athlete and, approach a student athlete experience right which is so big at alvernia uh bill styles our athletic director that's what he prides himself on and i think does a great job of expressing to the student athletes that you're coming here for a full experience you're not just going to do academics you're not just going to do athletics we're going to let you blend those and and be successful in how you blend them so yeah that's pretty cool uh, at, at Alvernia, I mean, can you can you talk a little bit about whether it's the pros and cons, or um, you know, a, a, what it's like to be outsourced, but at a at a university? Yeah, a, as you mentioned it. through St. Luke's. Yep. Yeah, I didn't touch into that as much yet, but for sure, right? So I am a athletic trainer uh, who is paid. Right. My my boss is a hospital system a a doctor right is the person who looks over what i'm doing right Mm -hmm. but then they are getting paid from the athletic system so it's a uh, healthcare model in an athletic model so i I think yeah it's it's definitely a a good thing to talk about and debate and just discuss among athletic trainers about how we should be doing the different models of care that we look at yeah Um, i i really like the idea of this. And as I've continued to be involved in a network, I think the biggest thing is that you're learning from 157 other athletic Mm -hmm. trainers every day, every week, right? You can always ask for help. You're never on an Island, which is a polar opposite of where I just was at a paper mill, right? I was literally on an Island. It was called big Island, not Hawaii. It was in Virginia, (laughs) but I was, uh, you know, by myself for 
hours and hours mm-hmm. and I, I would see other people, but they were just people, right? Yeah. Like that was good. And I got to work with them, but I, I didn't see athletic trainers. I didn't see other healthcare providers. So when you can go to a hospital or you can go to, they have doctors rounds, like uh, uh, research rounds, and, and you can just talk to a doctor about different ACL reconstructive mm-hmm. programs and things along those lines. Like that's so valuable. And, and I think at least what we market and, and talk to uh athletic programs about is that we're able to to provide early access of care, right? Since you have all of those different uh, individuals that can reach out at interprofessional connections. So I think that happens in other spaces too. You don't have to be part of a hospital network to have that. But I think being able to show that and promote that and share how you can provide that early access of care is uh, is super valuable. And then the last part I was just going to touch on is there's no time that I ever feel like, man, this coach is, is going to, I'm going to lose my job. Right. Like that, right. that still happens yeah. way too much. I see it every once in a while on Twitter or, or, um, you know, one of those other social media things mm-hmm. where someone comes in new coach and then they, they get a new athletic training staff and that's, you know, good, bad, but like probably not. Okay. Really. Yeah. Right. There could still be a, some form of an evaluation of, like this person might be really good for you just because you have your guy, you know, saying all that, just look at what happened at the NATA. You had, um, Rich Burkholder mm-hmm. cut his jacket put on by Andy Reed, right? right? Like how cool is that? You know? So, right. you know, you want that, you want those connections, but you also want to be able to, to let somebody make an autonomous decision. Not saying, right. I'm sure they have a great relationship, but yeah. I'm saying that sometimes there's that, you know, being able to, to have that strong relationship, but still allow someone to do their job. So, yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, speaking, you know, from my point of view, where I was outsourced for the first I don't know, about 14, 15 years of my career, mm-hmm. um, you know, I often hear like the, the students today or the next generation of athletic trainers where they seem to have this negative connotation about being outsourced. And I always say like, it, it wasn't always terrible. Like there was a lot of good benefits from having a support system of like you had mentioned 150 other athletic trainers and other resources at your disposal uh, as opposed to the person that's working clinically by themselves maybe or maybe not with an assistant athletic trainer day to day yeah I, and i think you're yeah i mean i didn't know you had that many years yeah. of experience in outsource but yeah I, I feel like i don't know i'd like to say that it's not a bad option for people to try at least once right yeah, yeah definitely yeah. don't knock it before you try it i yeah. would say um, moving on, I, I think, you know, one of the other things I'm sure you end up talking about this a lot would be, you know, the time that you spent in the industrial setting, because it certainly wasn't as prominent when I was coming up as a student. Um, you know, it's, it seems to have a lot of, uh, you know, pull to it uh, in this day and age and for a lot of good reasons. Um, and I was wondering if you could, you know, speak on that when you're when your time in the industrial setting. Yeah, definitely. I think this ties into some of the stuff Pats is doing right now, too. I was able to go to the uh, hike to Harris. Hike to Harrisburg. Yeah. Yeah, that's what we did. Yeah. So those that those events, that's literally why you're doing it, right, mm-hmm. is because there's people that are providing athletic training services like I was doing in Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. But I was not able to label myself as an athletic trainer at some times. Uh, due to the way the law was written, right? I would have to be an early intervention specialist or a prevention program manager mm-hmm. or something like that uh, and not provide athletic training services and stay within a first aid realm right. because 
I, I was not, you know, it was not in our uh, state practice act to, to allow me to treat those individuals in that way. So I think uh, that's like the big, big picture thing of, of working in those settings and, and the growth that's happening there and, and the things that Pat's doing mm-hmm. uh, to, to help make that happen. But specifically right yeah. where I was, right. So big Island, uh, fun little Appalachian town in Virginia uh, next to two little rivers. And you need rivers to create the energy that they use to, to run the paper machines. Uh, they, they made paper, right. They mm-hmm. made brown paper, uh, for the cardboard. So there was like the outside of the cardboard yeah. and the inside of the cardboard. And if you really wanted to learn about cardboard, that was the place to go, right? right. They would talk to you for probably their whole shift because it would keep them from doing their shift for 12 hours about uh, the different types of cardboard and why they were doing that and how they were making it and the water intake and how much is getting sucked off the main sheet and all that stuff. And it's 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 very impressive, right? Because you think about student athletes, think about athletes, and how focused they can be, and they can talk to you about uh, baseball player names, and they can go from a last name and then connect it to a, a first name of a baseball player, and go on for 300 baseball players being able to do that. Well, people can do that about their jobs if you just give them a chance to talk about it, even if their job is making cardboard. Right. right. Not to to be to belittle that. I'm I'm making fun of it. No, absolutely. No, I see what you're the saying. The idea is that. There's people out there that do things like, you know, poke plastic out of little plastic holes and then move it on to the next station. And the amount of over repetitive stress that happens there is something that athletic trainers are really like purposely made to help with and Mm -hmm. and cause uh, engineering changes and ergonomic changes and exercise changes so that that person can then go home and, and pick up their kid and not have to deal with. Uh, whatever that thumb injury is, right? right? Or something. But so like that's that's what's so cool about working in those types of settings is that you're able to to help people live their life better mm-hmm. by making work a little bit easier or at least maybe fun every once in a while. So what was a typical yeah. day like for you down there? Yeah, uh, I was in a office. Mm-hmm. It was like actually like the old occupational health nurse office. So mm-hmm. it was kind of like a clinic, which was better than some of the other, I was a supervisor with uh, seven other athletic trainers like throughout the country. So I got to see people in closets mm-hmm. and people that didn't have an office at all. So I was very fortunate where I was, I would say. Uh, and I would start with one, two, maybe three people that would come in in the morning and do like a pre, um, you know, warm up stretch, mm-hmm. maybe type uh exercise program type thing, right? We're not allowed to say exercise, but some type of, uh, intervention, Mm -hmm. right? Early intervention. You're able to do something with them that maybe made their sitting at a desk a little bit better throughout that day, or maybe made them, you know, pushing paper into the broke pit, which is where that all the paper that's broken goes in and gets recycled back around it, pushing it in with a rake all day. It made that a little bit easier, a little bit better. So those types of things happen. And then, We'd go out and around seven o'clock or whatever time after the earlier sessions were done, there was a break. And during those breaks, <clears throat> the same way, like if you're walking around like a Walmart now, I think, and even um, some targets or whatever, some of those stores, they have like, if you listen, there's certain hours they do a, a stretch break or a stretch and flex or so they're already doing these things. And we did, we would help create some of those or work through some of those warm up exercise type things with those groups. So that was a lot of fun and, and definitely uh, different, right? I, I never really led like warm-ups yeah. with, with uh, college settings. I did a lot of cool downs, 
but that was always like a sports performance type role maybe. Mm -hmm. And then being able to do that with, again, individuals who some people never want to get up out of their chair and some people were really excited to do something because they hadn't been able to do something in the past three or four hours or whatever. So that was the next part. And then we'd spend time going to somebody's job and seeing what they're doing to just understand it. And then the goal was that you'd figure out, okay, what's, what's causing your, you know, how how do you feel? Right. Oh yeah. No, my my back's been bothering me for the past three months because we're doing extra maintenance on these rolls that we have to get underneath them and crawl. Oh, can you show me? Right. And then you got to put on the safety stuff or safety harness, do all that fun stuff. But then you get up in there and you can see like them in awkward positions, bent over backwards, twisting, turning, and cranking on a wrench to, to tighten a bolt. And you can say like, yeah, I, I would, yeah, I see why that could be uh, bothering you or not making you feel great. And then you get to bring some of those pictures, those design ideas back and you could say, okay, big picture, let's maybe not do this job anymore, right? Let's get rid of that. Okay, we can't do that. Okay, fine. Mm-hmm. Ergonomics, well, let's see how their body moves in space. Okay, let's see if we can change the environment around that. Can we make that space bigger? Can we take this roll out so they could get under another roll and not have to go mm-hmm. bending over one roll to get to another roll? And then they say, no, we can't do that either. Okay, well, then exercise. Okay, what can we do to reset it, reset that patient, that person, now that's the patient here, that person, and allow that person to uh, maybe, like I said, reset or, or loosen the tight muscles that they're getting from being in that stuck position and allow them to break that pattern and then maybe go back in and then they could do it for another 10 to 15 minutes and then take another break and, and break that pattern, which kind of connects back to our, you know, heat policies and mm-hmm. our cold policies and some of those things where we have people that can be out there for a certain period of time. And then they, they come back in and they get out of it. It's the same type of idea or even, I mean, football, right. You know, all about football, but mm-hmm. right. So the, the acclimatization periods where yep. we're having people uh, only hit with certain. So why don't we do the same type of thing with some of these, you know, jackhammering tools, some of the, um, uh, the, the screw home guns that they're using are causing intense vibration stress to their entire hand and then forearms and then leading to medial lateral epicondylitis stuff. Right. Can we break that up or, or manage that, you know, um, load stress over time? So that that's the kind of stuff we got to do. And I think that ties nicely back into college athletics mm-hmm. and that's why I feel like I had a good time doing that. Yeah. And the people that don't see that or, or don't see how it could be applicable to what athletic trainers to do, those are the people that, that don't do the industrial thing. To put you on the spot a little bit, um, you know what, you know what events led you to want to change and go back to the college setting, and um, you know on the same path there. Is there anything you miss about you know in your case the paper mill, but you know more broadly speaking the non traditional setting? Yeah, no, I I would say. Uh, another tidbit, or yeah. right, this is just me talking about stuff, but the uh, COPA committee became big. Uh, that's the Committee on Practice Advancement. That that became like a whole thing while I was in the industrial setting, and I was on the PR side in Virginia for mm-hmm. the Virginia Athletic Training Association. And uh, I, I moved over to, to COPA to help create and work to develop that, um, you know, group uh, as part of our, our state uh, mm-hmm. membership and, and committees because that, that became such a, uh, important part of, of what athletic training I think can become, right. Is mm-hmm. being involved in these, in these new and, and different, uh, types of settings. So what do I miss? Uh, yeah, I miss, I miss crawling around and being in the dirt and stuff. Like I, yeah. I got to weld sometimes like that was pretty cool. Like, yeah. I mean, I was just 
they they let me do some fun stuff with them because you know once you it's that buy-in and, and patient rapport and all that fun stuff like once you develop relationships with people and and they they treat you like someone you know who's who's there to learn about their work and, and help them do their work better they they let you into a lot of things so there was a lot of cool things i was able to do with that population the reason i moved away from it at the time was uh one of my goals was was always to be a director of athletic training services, head of athletic training services, and like continue to do that. So mm-hmm. Alvernia gave me that opportunity. St. Luke's gave me that opportunity. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think having football and having 30 sports and having a staff of five other athletic trainers with sports performance, like that's, that's what I thought I wanted to do when I graduated from, from college. Yeah. So being able to, to see that and then say like, wow, like that's it. That's, that was my, that's my job. Like, right. That's what I want to do. That was, a, that was a big draw. Right. And yeah. then, uh, the other part, we talked about this, the the movement of mental health through the divisions and, and all that fun stuff. The What I saw happening after uh, COVID-19 and, and the response to COVID-19 made me say, like, why why are we not doing this better in college athletics yet? Mm-hmm. So I, I wanted to get back to that, to, to do better, right, to help student athletes who were being challenged with uh, how we were responding to things, how we were allowing them to participate, how we were letting them, um, you know, be owners of, of their mm-hmm. body and then allowing them to, to, to do the sports that they want to do. And, and at the division three level, right. It's yeah. easier to say that because right, they're not getting paid. They're not, there's not all those other things around it. So they just want to play a sport, right? Yeah. Just like the other people want, they want to work. I know they're doing it for money, but they want to work. They didn't want to work. They'd be on workers' comp. But the people that want to play their sport, like let's let's help them do that. So I I wanted to be a, an advocate that yeah. that made that happen. So that was my big reason. Was there anything specific about athletic training that you missed when you were at the paper mill? And even if it's something as simple as you know covering a baseball game on a nice seventy degree day in the springtime. Oh yeah. Well, yeah. I think one of the biggest ones earlier, which I was able to to do again. Later, as as I stayed there longer, built more relationships. We didn't have any students, right? Mm-hmm. Like it was very hard to get an athletic training student, and you had to do credentials, you had mm-hmm. to do all this fun stuff. They had to, uh, you know, steel toe boots was the least of their worries. But you had to have all that stuff, um, and that was just harder to, to negotiate. I was able to do it later, um, and it was a lot of fun. But I, early on, I remember missing that. Yeah. I think we talked about just walk, working with other athletic trainers. You're saying being on a baseball game like that is definitely a, a good experience. I mean, I remember I like, I like sweating. So yeah. I like sweating at the, you know, soccer, uh, third practice of the day in, yeah. in August. Like I liked, I liked doing that. I liked yeah. helping, uh, the groups move in, like move yeah. stuff up their stairs. Right. And then go over to a practice after and see the same students who just came to campus yeah. and then you know, treat them as they just, you know, roll their ankle or, or did whatever they did or help them not roll their ankle, right? That'd be the best. But something like that, I, I missed that. Like, that was fun for me when I wasn't in college athletics. And I think we, you know, take a, we don't feel that way a lot of times when we're in it because we've done it, you know, 12 days in a row. So it doesn't feel great. And we're yeah. coming up in August. So yeah. people will definitely feel that. But when you're not doing that and you don't get a chance to do that and the 
the only thing you time time you get to sweat is when you're standing next to the dryer bins, which are <laughs> the things that spin the paper around. Yeah. And it's 140 degrees, and you're trying to watch somebody through your sweat beaded glasses. Yeah. And they are they are just miserable, and you're just watching them be miserable while you're miserable, and you're trying to say like, what can we do to make this better? And the only thing you could do is not do this job, right? Like you can we had the big ass fans, the, the donkey fans, yep. right? We have those big fans on people all the time. And that, that doesn't matter because it's 140 degrees. So you're just moving hot air around, which is Las Vegas, by the way, too. Right. We have <laughs> birds on the football field when we go out to practice, we have to move them out of the way. So that kind of stuff. Uh, yeah. You, you miss some of the things that maybe you don't always yeah. think about as missing. Lucas, what would the conversation look like if I were, you know, if I was a graduating senior from an athletic training program just past my BOC and was, you know, maybe on the fence about, you know, which avenue of this profession I was going to go into. And I came to you and was asking you to, you know, kind of walk me through the decision about the traditional versus non-traditional settings. I mean, are there certain things you would uh, have that person, you know, weigh their options yeah, I think weighing their options was that was going to be my word choice. Yeah. So thank you for that. <laughs> definitely I set it up on a uh, T for you, right? Yeah, yeah, nice. <laughs> but yeah, you. The idea of weighing your options is definitely key. Mm-hmm. I, I'm very fortunate here at Alvernia, uh, through St. Luke's, to be a preceptor. We have mm-hmm. uh, a master's program, so I, I get to have these conversations, yeah. and I've had them the past two years with four different people. So I would say uh, the the big one that a lot of the times when you're weighing your options, you got to balance it. And the issue is that too many people don't get the experience to weigh their options, right? They they don't have the opportunity to go to an industrial setting. Mm -hmm. So you have to, I feel like maybe I am the person in these examples and it's different for different people, right? But I'm the person who just kind of makes that one way a little bit more. I'm not saying don't go to the traditional setting, right? But you just, you have to put a little, right? That one, it's off balance. You have to put an extra 25 pound weights on your right side because you're better at your right than your left. Like mm-hmm. you have to put a little bit more over there mm-hmm. uh, to, to even it out so that you can actually look at it and say, okay, now which one tips the scale? So I think that's what I try to try to get people to think about. And if you're not going to have those experiences, then it's talking to some who's been in those settings. Maybe it's uh, trying to do like just a shadowing of you know, a parent, of a, a, a cousin, a friend, like someone who does work in that and just kind of see like that population, what would it be like to work with that group of people, right? Mm-hmm. I think some of that is pretty important because the injuries are the injuries, right? The, the anatomy is the anatomy. That's going to be the same all over. But like how good are you at helping somebody get back from an ankle sprain to play uh, athletics with tape? Right. Mm -hmm. How good are you at getting someone to uh, get full range of motion back in their wrists so that they can throw a football or throw a baseball or do whatever they have to do? Because then, right, if you're able to do things a certain way that may work really well in athletics, that could probably translate easily to the industrial setting or data analysis. There's a lot of different ones out there. There's 10 different things for COPA, I think. But uh, if if you're not able to do it successfully in college athletics, that doesn't mean it can't happen in another one and vice versa. So I think it's more about the avenues that you choose to provide your care and less about the patients and environments. Because as you find 
different patients and environments, the avenues that you're good at are going to work with them and you're going to mesh. And I just listened to this on the radio the other, the other day, uh, best NFL coaches or whatever. And they were arguing about, uh, Andy Reid. So that's who Andy Reid mentioned. Yeah. <laughs> and then, uh, uh, Bill Belichick. Mm-hmm. And they were just saying, you got to have a great quarterback. So mm-hmm. as an athletic trainer, you have to have a great environment that mm-hmm. matches up with what you want to do. Yeah. And you do that by having your plan of, of how you're going to treat patients, how you're going to provide care and then matching all those three things up. Right. Yeah. So how you provide care, where you're providing care and, and who you want to provide care to. Right. To switch gears a little bit. I mean, um, you know, you had talked about a little bit of your background where you spent some time in Nevada, Virginia, uh, Georgia, if I believe correct, right? Um, yes. You, you know, so, uh, you know, similarly, I, we, we uh, have a similar kind of path in that, you know, this is probably the first time I found myself uh, working and living in the same state um, where I was living in one state but working in another. And, you know, down here in this Philadelphia region, that's, you know, quite doable with, you know, uh, the proximity. Um, but for somebody like you, when you came to Pennsylvania, how did you, you know, what advice could you give to somebody to get involved in PATS and how did you go about doing that? Yeah. Yeah. I'm still working on it. So I <laughs> definitely don't know exactly what I'm doing, but I think, uh, what I was always taught and this goes back to undergrad, mm-hmm. right. And yeah. our masters for people now, but you, you have to reach out to people, mm-hmm. right? Like you can't be afraid to do that. So mm-hmm. I think going to conventions, I was able to go to one of the virtual, uh, Pat's because that's mm-hmm. when I, I came over and that's what they were still doing, which was, I think, done very well. But yeah. so you, you jump into one of those and you just share that I'm doing the area. Yeah. Right. You start with some of those basic things. Uh, you can look on the website and we, we do have the committee members, mm-hmm. uh, the committee leads and heads. Right. And then, I mean, President Kalano, Nikki, right. Yeah. You could just email her. She yeah. responds to pretty much everybody. And uh, you know this because you work with her. But yeah. Uh, yeah, just reach out to those people and, and see what they're doing. I, I think maybe that's something that people don't think about is like, mm-hmm. just ask the other people that are in where you are, right? Yeah. Hopefully there's someone, maybe you're working with an assistant, maybe you're not, but in your uh, conference, in the high school conference that you're in, the college conference that you're in, the, the league, whatever that is, they, they'll give you an opinion. It might not be what you want, right? Some yeah. people don't get involved, but if you can listen to them and why they don't get involved, that might be some of the reasons why you want to get involved, right? Like to help change that. So I think uh, there's, there's always ways to get involved. And I mean, a lot of it is common sense to just contact people and check on the website. But some of it is you have to dig a little bit deeper to, to figure out like, mm-hmm. if I was going to get involved, what would I be doing? Cause I think that's what they, that's what they want to know. Right. Like I, I got involved in the, the college athletic trainers, uh, committee right now. Uh, and, and they want to know like, okay, what are we going to do if you step into this role? And if you don't have some of those plans or ideas, then maybe it's not the best time to get involved with that. And you could just be an active member on, you know, the, the calls or going to conferences, which those are very valuable as well. You don't have to be in a committee right away. You could be an active member and then work into those roles. And I think that's what I'm doing and, and kind of doing right on committee members and Concussion wise is another one that we're yeah. part of and, and working with. And I, I think, uh, yeah. yeah, so you start being involved and yeah. then they let you do more if you do okay. And if you don't do so great, move to another state, right? Yeah. That's <laughs> well, can, can you touch yeah. a little bit on the committees that you are involved in in, in PATH? Yeah, yeah, right. So the, the college uh, committee, right? Mm-hmm. So we, we touched on the idea there and 
bringing the information from the NATA news and, and just what's going on at the national level down to uh, the state level and making sure people are aware of that and what's going on in the, in the district too and all that fun stuff. I think that's our main focus to just share uh, college committee information because there's so many colleges in Pennsylvania. I think it's one of the top mm-hmm. uh, ones in, in the country. Uh, and then at least for athletic training education, it is. So that's and then uh, the state of employment, right? We want to share and understand how people are managing that and, and changes in going from graduate assistance to uh, full-time or part-time or however people are doing some of those or just no time and just trying to make it up, right? Um, and then the compensation committee, they just put out a, a podcast or whatever I'll call that through the NATA uh, two months ago talking about some of the things that they've worked towards to try to improve the, the compensation patterns that we're seeing throughout the country, which I just was looking the other day. I saw another one that was a $35,000 job for, uh, you know, just the expectation of what people have. And it's just, yeah. So working on getting that information out to people and, and helping people um, see what's out there on the national level and then bringing up the mm-hmm. people who are doing a great job in Pennsylvania, which the goal of like honors and awards committees, like mm-hmm. that's what that's supposed to happen. Yeah. And, and it, sometimes we just forget to, to tell other people that there's really good athletic trainers yeah. right around here. But yeah. I think that's the main focus there. Yeah. And then uh, the concussion work group committee work group, I guess, yeah. is uh, trying to make sure that people know how to get involved. I just had someone uh, ask me the other day about being involved as a concussion wise instructor. And that's, providing concussion education to uh, youth populations, right? I think our age group is 6 to 22 or somewhere in there. I mean, it, it's a relatively decent size for, for student athletes. And mm-hmm. and being able to, to be an, inspect, an instructor and the expectations of being an instructor, how to do those courses, how to set up and create those courses so that you can – uh, make sure you have enough courses to share this information out. And then I, I think understanding how the grant works because there's a grant that funds those courses so that the people that do teach them now actually just got bumped up. So you get a raise. It's uh, $375 for each course you teach, whereas before it was $350. Um, and I think just in general, the, the work that Rich Burry does around that group is, is really impressive uh, as far as, the background, he does a really good job of just keeping us on task and then also sharing like how we can get this education out to, to more and more people throughout um, Pennsylvania. Cause mm-hmm. this is through the department of health, Pennsylvania mm-hmm. department of health is how the grant works. So. Uh, what, what type of uh, like training or background? Um, obviously the background would be an athletic training background, but it, what type of format goes through for somebody to be, uh, you know, qualified to teach those courses? Yeah, so you have to go on to the concussion-wise website after you are uh, approved, right, mm-hmm. or, or asked to, to do this, right? Mm-hmm. So you you would say, hey, I want to do this, Lucas, and then I'd say, yeah, cool, cool, let's do it. And then I would talk to Rich, and you'd say, yep, we have an opening, or we have this many openings available, which we have openings right now, mm-hmm. and we would like to take on instructors. And then we would set you up with an instructor dashboard, instructor account on the sports safety website, which is where they have all these different concussion wise, there's a cardiac wise and another one like that. Uh, and you would go through the three to four hour course, right? And it, it would talk about 
what the video that you'd be sharing has, what information's in there, how to ask questions of the people that are in the course, uh, how to uh, get questions, right? Develop questions, get people to, to think and, and ask, right? Because we want people to, to learn something while they're in there for that 20 to 30 minutes uh, with you being educated on concussions. And then we want them to take it away and be able to share it with other people and, and use uh, the the app that is out there, right? There's a concussion-wise app, so they can use that and they can just look at signs and symptoms and be aware of what types of uh, treatments may or may not be beneficial for someone at different time frames of their concussion and, yeah. and how recovery could work. So, yeah, there's yeah. there's lots of fun uh, concussion learnings. But the way you get involved and get started is reach out to, to Rich Birdie or someone on the concussion uh, work group committee and we'd be able to, to get you started if, if you yeah. wanted to. When you, when you mentioned like there's uh, currently some open positions that you guys are trying to fill, I mean, are they regional? Or are you looking for people in certain areas of the state? Yes, there oh. are. Uh, based on the Pennsylvania high school uh, regions, districts, that's how they have it set up. So there are districts and i'm not going to remember the ones that we need sure. people in at, but i i do know uh that out of the i don't even know how many there are 17 16 mm -hmm. something like that i know there's like 11 there's 11 by us but um out of those different ones that are out there we would ask that people be involved in uh, a large group of them right mm -hmm. we don't just want everybody from i'm in region or yeah. district three we don't want everybody from that so we are trying to space that out and, and grow some of those. I know out towards Pittsburgh and then back towards Philadelphia are two areas that we are looking for uh, individuals. And like you had mentioned, what, what's the best way people can just reach out to you directly for those opportunities? Yeah. Yes, definitely. And then again, if you go onto the Pat's website, there are the committee mm -hmm. members on there and they, they have their, uh, well, there's the concussion wise mm -hmm. work group email uh, and that might be the easiest one. Yeah. Perhaps, you know, maybe when we, uh, yeah. when we yeah. post this episode, we can share that contact information in, yeah. in the text and, uh, people can, you know, reach out via email if they're interested. Yep. Well, Lucas, man, I, again, I can't thank you enough for hopping on with us today. And, uh, you know, certainly want to make sure, you know, I, I hope this isn't the last time that you're on with us. Um, would love to have you on again down the road. I really appreciate you take, taking the time. And I, I, uh, it was a, I had a fun conversation, so thank you for talking with me. Yeah, man, anytime. Again, thank you for listening, everybody. Um, join us next time when we have some more guests that joined us at the Pat's Symposium over the summer. Uh, got an opportunity to speak with a lot of, uh, you know, both active and retired athletic trainers. Uh, and you'll be hearing from our Pat's president that Lucas had mentioned, Nikki Catano. She'll be making an appearance with us as well. Uh, until next time, remember, let's be better athletic trainers. Talk to you guys soon.